Find your next fall adventure in Fairfax County at the National Museum of United States Army. Take a turn on the tank simulator. Feel your seat rumble in their 300-degree theater. Then step outside to enjoy the fall colors from their outdoor dining area and rooftop Medal of Honor garden. Discover your fall adventure at the National Army Museum. Open seven days a week. Free admission and parking right off I-95. Get free tickets at usarmymuseum.org. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic special edition, extra crunchy episode of the Fat Minute. I am your host, Don John, joined tonight by my co-host, the fantastic, the amazing BVJ. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm good. Um, <laughs> might not be feeling too good after we, we start diving into some of these topics, though, um, because we're continuing with our retrospective of the year, of the decade of the 2010s. And we've reached that year, uh, 2016. And uh, it's so crazy. Like, I was just thinking about it the other day as we were leading up to this episode, you know, and I was thinking about this batch of retrospectives compared to when we did a retrospective of the 2000s. The 2010s seemed to drag on way the fuck longer than the 2000s did. Like, am I the, really? am I the only one who feels that? I, I don't feel that way at all. I thought I thought 2000 through 2009 felt like a lifetime. Not on this end, man. Especially like 2016 to like 2019, I felt like that in and of itself was like it felt like a fucking decade. I will say 2016 through 2019 moved a lot slower than 2010 through 20 2016. Yeah, like the first half of the decade, I thought. I thought the first half of the decade at the very least flew by. Um, uh, yeah, I, I blinked and it was gone. But yeah, like those last few years definitely had a lot going on. Yeah. And so, you know, on that note, we'll go ahead and jump into some stuff that happened in 2016. Start. We only got one, you know, cultural newsworthy event for 2016 just because when anybody thinks of 2016, this is the one and only thing that like, people think of and it overshadows everything that happened that year and a lot of a lot of other stuff that did happen that year is either indirectly or directly connected to it um so i'm talking of course about the 2016 election and Mm -hmm. i mean what a fucking roller coaster that was that the the last well i guess the the not the last presidential presidential election but the one before it um yeah and you know, it's this. This is something. You know, I'm not going to try to get too much into everything that happened during that whole election cycle because that's something. Oh, that, that's something. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I'm I'm all for like really, really like doing a, a an autopsy on this. If if like you, I mean, if, like if it's the only cultural event, may as well. Like, oh, I'll definitely like get into it, but I'm not going to get into everything because that's something that could easily take several episodes. Um, yeah. And we got a bit of a time limit here tonight, but sure, sure. I mean, I was thinking about about this election, like you know, first time in a while the other day when we were getting ready to do this episode, and you know, it's it's always interesting when you have a presidential election where the sitting president, you know, he, his two terms are up, he can't run again, and you ha- it's always an interesting cycle when you have both parties putting up candidates. Yeah, and. What always struck me about this election was how, from the get-go, like, 
the Republican candidate stage was like a fucking clown car. Like it was packed with literally anybody who had enough money to run. Um, right. Like there were so many people on that stage. I was just like, who are you? Um, they had to do, they had to do, um, and I, I guess I can't roast this too much because then this had to happen with the Democrat primary four years after, but they had to have two different debates. They had to have two different nights. Like yeah. there was, there was like the the front runner stage, and then there was what they dubbed the the kids the, table. The also with, uh, the also rans with uh with uh with like Rick Santorum was yeah. was on the kids table, I guess as as you know some memes in the media uh, mm-hmm. joked about it. But basically, like Rick Santorum was like, "Why was I on the main stage four years ago, but now I'm not?" And it's like, I, I don't know, dude, because you burned out. Like, what do you want to hear? Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, and but know, the clown the, car, you're saying you yeah, had the clown car. Yeah, and then for the Democrats we had I mean we had five candidates, but let's be real, we had three candidates and one of them was running for vice president. Um Yes. Because we had Hillary we had Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, um Martin O'Malley, who, you know, form, former governor governor of our home state. And then we had Jim Webb, who I believe was governor of Virginia at some point. Um yeah. And then we had Lincoln Chaffee, who I believe was the governor of Rhode Island at some point. Um, yeah. And I mean, I remember that debate. I kind of felt bad for Jim Webb because literally anytime he tried to say anything, the moderator just would like skip over him. <laughs> um, but then, you know, he went on to support Trump, so I didn't feel too bad anymore. Um, I think he was from West Virginia, actually. Eh, somewhere in there, but. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. After those first three, nobody gave a fuck about the other ones. <laughs> yeah. After that first one, nobody gave a fuck about the other ones. Because um, <laughs> fucking Lincoln Chaffee, like literally his entire debate was, okay, look, I've never been in trouble. Okay. I promise. And like, after like the third time of him saying that, I'm like, all right, what did you do? Like you, nobody just says that unpro like unprovoked. What did you do that we haven't found out about yet? <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he tried to, he tried to, he tried to throw shade at Hillary Clinton by referencing the emails or whatever. Yeah. And I remember, you know, they were like, Secretary Clinton, do you want to respond to that? And she goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> this, is like, this is like, it's like, who, who gives a shit? Like, nobody knows who that guy is. Like, yeah. they're like, why are you there? Like, yeah. And, and I mean, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, you don't have we don't have to rush through the primary because it's hard to talk about this election cycle without really talking about the primary also right and um and you know yeah like you you agreed with my sister's sentiments that you know there's two there's two things that you know there's two emotions that i feel that have been expressed by you know other people in my family is my wife will be like you know during a primary some of those people just have to understand that like they don't stand a chance. Like it's not going to be them. Like, yeah. like, why are you even bothering being up there? Yeah. But then my sister will remind me like, well, you have to remember that like, it's also kind of like an open audition for you to be in people's fresh memory for a consideration of their running mate, you know, like some of those people are running for vice president and yeah, like you, you nailed it. And that was what my sister said at one time too. Like, Martin O'Malley was running for vice president, really, as far as as far as I was concerned. Yeah. Um, you know, and then like 
but after and i can justify that i can justify martin o'malley being up there because he's like oh don't forget about me when you got to pick a running mate but like i'd rather i'd I'd rather we forget about martin o'malley (laughs) (laughs) well i I feel like that is a whole other ball of wax um i mean i don't don't really have any comment there but i mean i um, i I couldn't hear him too well during that debate it was raining outside (laughs) if you're from maryland Um, you get that joke Lincoln Chaffee and Jim Webb, like, yeah. Um, U.S. Senator from Virginia until 2013, followed by a um, governor of Rhode Island until 2015, respectively. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, and yeah. I just, I just remember, I just remember when um, Saturday Night Live did the first Democrat presidential primary yeah. debate. Yeah. And, you know, they had like, Larry David is Bernie Sanders, and that was a big deal because that was one of the first jokes anyone ever made in reference to Bernie Sanders, like when he finally became mainstream in pop culture at mm-hmm. the time was, oh, he kind of reminds me of Larry David. <laughs> and um, and then they had the guy come out as Lincoln Chaffee and just goes, hi, I'm Lincoln Chaffee. And I'm like, God, you you guys aren't even trying. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I guess there's not much to try with. Like, yeah. <laughs> you don't have much material. And you're just like. Oh, yep. Classic Chaffee. Yep. <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, but yeah, and then we got, as we got further along into the primary and people started dropping off, you know, it, for the Republican side, it was mainly a, a battle between, because I remember at first it seemed like Jeb Bush was going to be the front runner, but then everybody quickly remembered <laughs> America does not want another Bush in office. Um, yeah. <laughs> nobody wants that three-peat. <laughs> Just, just the audacity that he, he thought he could have that last name and be in that family, be related to who he was related to, and be like, yeah, I think I have a pretty good chance. <laughs> I, uh, I will just never forget the the meme, the the please laugh moment he had, or please clap, please clap, yeah, and that's what I clap. think we need. To, that's what I think we need to do. Please clap. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Uh, but that then, was, but then after like the first first like maybe month or so, it, it very much became a battle between Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, and I was just like, "Damn, I don't know who I hope gets assassinated more." Um, <laughs> oh my God! I, I said it. I own it. I mean, you I didn't say it. I didn't. You I didn't. Said that, not me. I didn't say I was gonna do it. I'm just saying I wouldn't be too sad if it happened. They're both cocksuckers. They're both cocksuckers, um, and so and Ted Cruz so much so that I sent him a picture of my cock on Twitter. That's um, a thing. That's a thing that happened, and I got the screenshots to prove it. Oh. P.S. Ted Cruz, go fuck yourself. <laughs> okay, okay, Bader. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, Jeb yeah, like, Bush. Jeb ahead. Bush was probably the only time I didn't hate Donald Trump was just seeing Donald Trump roast Jeb Bush. Yeah. Um, I, you know, making fun of him like, oh, wow, look, more energy tonight. Yeah. And uh, and then finally, the, the best one was when he was like, Jeb Bush was like, I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, <laughs> I, I was the luckiest. I was the luckiest boy in the world when I looked up and Barbara Bush was my mother. She's the strongest person I know. And Donald Trump just goes, hmm, she should be the one who's running. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yikes. Yeah. And um, and then of course we yeah. had that whole fight about that whole thing about Donald Trump freaking out over the size of his hands. 
Marco Rubio gave us that. That was Marco Rubio. Oh, that's right. I mean, and, it all kind of blends together because I just couldn't believe that we had actual presidential candidates doing this shit. Yeah, they were all like, I mean, and then you had like um, um, Ben Carson, who was like to prove that he wasn't uh, low energy. Yeah, he tried. To, he was like, yeah, I once tried to stab a man, but it just got caught in their belt buckle. Yeah, or something like that. And I'm like. 2016, 2015 was, had some, well, I mean, I guess these primary moments are for 2015, but like, who earlier in 2015 was truly the last time the world felt normal, I guess, for a lot of people. But, um, yeah. yeah ben ben, ben Carson also tried to say that the pyramids were built the house, like, like they were basically silos for grain. And it's just like, no, nah, man, <laughs> they were tombs. He's like, why would they build a hermetically sealed you know, tomb for, for, a, for a corpse. And I'm just like, yeah, it's not like they wrote it on the fucking walls what it was for or anything. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Marco Rubio was the first one to go, you know what they say about a guy with small hands who yeah. <laughs> can't trust him. And it was funny in a way, but then at the same time I was like, man, your entire career is throwing your own uh, ethnicity under the bus. Like, yeah. you're a loser. <laughs> yeah, so like, you know, Republican primary was pretty much Donald Trump versus Ted Cruz for the most part. And then the Democrat primary was pretty much Bernie Sanders versus Hillary Clinton for almost the entirety of it. Um, yes. And I, I remember being so frustrated with the Democrat primary on multiple fronts for multiple reasons because, you know – you 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 are more of a Hillary supporter than a Bernie supporter. I am more of a Bernie mm-hmm. supporter than a Hillary supporter. Um, and my my problem with that whole primary was the DNC had a very obvious and blatant bias against Bernie Sanders, and you can attribute that to whatever reason you want. But the fact is, they had it and. You can't convince me that they didn't do anything, you know, in the name of that bias to help Hillary. And then you had the whole argument of super delegates, which I think is bullshit anyway. And I'm glad they got rid of it after this election. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was also just frustrating that, you know, Ber- you know, Bernie was the the first candidate that I was like that I really saw myself in that like really made me fully. I guess, realize my political identity, you know, and that's not to say that I didn't enjoy Obama's presidency. I very much did. I, I fucking mm-hmm. miss him. Um, but Bernie Sanders was the one that I, that really made me realize where I, where exactly I was on the political spectrum. And it was just so frustrating to me to hear all these things that made complete sense and how we should be running things and just seeing mm-hmm real world examples of how these ideas work in other countries and just hearing, well, we can't do that here. Well, why not? Because this is America. Well, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? Like, mm-hmm. and it, it, I mean, it was, the whole thing was just fucking frustrating and it was, it was frustrating to see the DNC be biased against him and use that, that influence that, you know, they did have some influence in the media that they used against him and, you know, and that's not to say that, you know, I didn't buy into the whole political witch hunt of Hillary either. Um, mm-hmm. The whole the whole portrayal of her as this evil, like, mastermind creeping in the shadows. I'm like, that that's not what she is. I don't think she's the best person for the job, but I don't think she's evil. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, everybody brought up the emails, and I'm just like, look, you know, yes, she shouldn't have kept emails on her private server just for the sake of, you know, accountability, but the thing people forget is her private server was more secure than the one that the federal government provided her. So it's just like, what does that say about, what does that say about our, our, you know, national security? Yeah. You tell me what the real story there is. Like when, when hers was actually more secure than what was given to her. Right. And, Um, and it's, you know, it's, I, I definitely think Hillary got too light of a, she got no punishment. There were no repercussions because, you know, some confidential in sensitive shit did get leaked out to people that we probably didn't want it to get leaked out to. Um, should she have gone to jail? I don't necessarily buy into that, but she should have faced some sort of repercussion. Um, but I think a lot of the shit that people gave to Hillary, they were attributing to the wrong person and the wrong entity on so many fronts, you know, with the emails and then the Benghazi incident. Um, so I didn't buy into the political witch hunt of Hillary either, but I also got mad about the obvious bias for her, especially since like, to me, Hillary Clinton always carried this attitude. It always felt like she had this attitude of she felt like she was owed the presidency. And I don't like that from anybody. Um, mm-hmm. And I, of course, was also frustrated with the results, with the fact that we had a candidate who won by three million more votes but didn't get the presidency. And the fucking excuses people made up with you know, baseless accusations of voter fraud it's just like this that shit doesn't happen that's not real that's not true mm-hmm. and the hypocrisy of it i remember one of the last conversations i had with my stepdad was about how i've always felt the electoral college was bullshit ever since i was a kid and first started becoming politically aware on like a very like minimal scale um you know it had nothing to do with my political leanings i think it's just bullshit period and I remember my parents always hating, like, always talking shit about it because they're like, well, you know, people who run for president only care about these states because, you know, those are the only ones that matter on the, you know, electoral college. But now that, you know, their guy won because of how it's rigged, suddenly it's the greatest thing ever. And I just remember saying to my stepdad, he he was talking about how the electoral college was, you know, so important we needed to keep it. I'm like, huh, funny. A few years ago, your president didn't, didn't seem to think so. Um, because mm-hmm. that was a thing that Donald Trump was very vocal about on Twitter after Barack Obama got reelected, that he thought mm-hmm. the Electoral College was outdated and needed to go. Um, it, it was just getting angry more and more as time went on during that whole election cycle. And I remember, you know, maybe a week before the election, you know, it was down to Hillary and Trump. And I remember my ex, my, my girlfriend at the time asked me, you know, she said, are you worried at all that Trump's going to win? And, you know, I, I, I said no, but even as I said it, I knew I was saying it just to, like, comfort her. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know what it was, but I knew something was going to go wrong. Like, I was like, I don't think she's going to win. And I, I, don't, I don't know why I felt that. Like, 2008 and 2012, I was confident Obama was going to win. This last election, I was confident Joe Biden was going to win. But this one, something just told me that things were not going to go the right way. Um, and it didn't. And, like, it's there's just so much shit that we could go into with this. And, and then I also got to blame Hillary a little bit for it because she fucked herself by picking a fucking boring running mate. Um... 
I remember when she when she got the when she got the nomination for the Democrat Party, everybody's like, you know, Bernie's like, she got it, it's hers, she won. Let's move on to you know beating Trump. Let's make sure we don't let him get in the office. Um, and I remember there was so much talk about who's going to be her running mate, and there were so many names being thrown around. And I remember at first, for a while, to me, it looked like Elizabeth Warren was going to be it. And I'm like, that'd be fucking awesome. Like, I'm a huge Elizabeth Warren fan. It'd be awesome to have a ticket of two women take down that fucking pig, Donald Trump. That'd be the greatest fucking thing ever. And then we get boring-ass Tim Kaine, who's only there because he knows how to speak Spanish. But guess what, Hillary? Hispanic people don't want a white guy who speaks Spanish talking down to them like that. Like... She fucked herself so bad with that. I'm like, you could have picked anybody, and it would have, it would have been better. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's there's just so much shit to go into with this. But I'm I'm gonna take a break and just let you go into it for a little bit and your thoughts and feelings on it. Sure. Um. I mean, yeah, I I, I agree with with your with your frustration. Um, and your sentiments on um. There was just a lot going on here. Um. I mean, whew, I, you got to get you got to spit a lot out there, and I'm glad you did. But now I I feel like I gotta um, <laughs> uh, go to the go back to the top of the pile and work my way down. Um, so I in the beginning I was very much intrigued by Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I I was even the one that like I broke the news I broke the news to you that he was running. Um, and I, I feel like this was a guy that not too, too many people, especially our age and younger were familiar with, right. um, before, before this primary cycle, I actually did. And this isn't me like bragging or whatever, but I actually did remember him from previous episodes of real time with Bill Maher. Um, like probably a handful of times over the past, like four to eight years. Um, you know, he was an independent from Vermont uh, self-proclaimed democratic socialist uh, who believed in, um, at the time it was just always referred to as universal health care. And then it's more so referred to, um, as Medicare for all now. But yeah, I mean, I, I always, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that dude from before. I, I always liked him. He seemed like, you know, he seemed like he made a lot of good points and he just seemed like a very like reasonable, logical down-to-earth guy especially when it came to having to explain him having political views that weren't so mainstream at the place he worked right um you know and i appreciated that and yeah i was very much intrigued by him but you know over time i personally felt that professionally because because i always try to say the most qualified and like well technically all you have to do is just be 35 years old to be qualified and it's like yeah. that's not what i mean you know what i mean that's not what i'm talking about and i don't know why i just turned into nicholas cage there for a second <laughs> i felt professionally hillary clinton was the most qualified candidate as far as as far as work history you know she was a very active first lady she was a she was also a, a successful lawyer um, for years. She was the senator of New York City during 9-11. 
Um, <laughs> she, I think she did more about 9-11 than Rudy Giuliani did as mayor. I mean, all he did was just run around and mention it. Um, yeah. He, just he totally, still is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he totally just used that as a T-shirt for himself. Yeah. But and then she was um, she was secretary of state. And I've said this before on this podcast, and I'll say it again. What happened in, you know, on September 11th of 2012 was very unfortunate. It was tragic, and it was something that we never want to happen. Um, but it was also not her fucking fault. <laughs> it's like it's I also I the, have... the, the, the people who like to use that against her. You just can't – you really got to refrain yourself from asking them, okay, what were those guys' names? Without using yes. Google, what were their names? Well, also, like, they did try to get them, you know, increased additional um, security, and it was denied by yeah. a uh, Republican Congress. Um, and and it's also, like, she's a Secretary of State, not Secretary of Defense. So, like, do you even know, like, what exactly, you know, do you know – the job descriptions of anybody you want to blame and their mm -hmm. jurisdiction and, and what they go over. Like, is she all supposed to fly over there every single night and check like the batteries and the fire detector too? Like what, right. what do you want? Right. Um, and, um, and I remember all the, all the critiques and complaints about her with emails. And it, there was a guy who worked at, no, he didn't work at. So when I was working at the movie theater, there was this guy who was our, delivery man he brought the stuff from the warehouse um that had like all of our popcorn seeds um or you know popcorn kernels sorry um candy bars um what have you and he came every thursday every wednesday night or thursday during the day and he was a huge like tea party alt-right like just a crazy wackadoo guy and he was always coming just to talk shit on you know the democrats and and anybody in america who wasn't like you know white and owned a bunch of guns mm -hmm. and he would always complain that he he didn't have a cell phone he didn't have a computer he didn't like you know have internet he was off the grid and it's like, no, dude, you work for a company and drive their truck yeah. and you pay taxes and they have like your, your mailing address and, and, and everything. And you have a driver's license. Like you do not live off the grid. Like yeah. <laughs> just because you, you live, all, you, you live out of the loop. <laughs> yes. You, yes, exactly. You live out of the loop, but apparently he doesn't because he still watches cable news every night. He still watches Fox News. What do you have to do to sign up for fucking cable news and 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 television? You have to pay a cable company. You have a bill that you pay. It's just like this. This dude was just such an idiot. Um, he was crazy and he was stupid. And you could be crazy without being stupid, and you can be stupid without being crazy. But he was both. And both them. Both them. <laughs> My boy Bofa. And and he would just he would just brag that he lived off the grid and he would come in and he would want to like use our, our telephone. And I'm like, okay. And he what he would do is he would use our phone. I'm pretty sure this is like he could get fired from it or our my company should have gotten mad at him. He from our landline, and I didn't know about this until after the fact, he would call this number that was like 
a hotline to like the more calls that got that was like a tally for a survey to have Barack Obama impeached or whatever. Jesus. And it's like while he was on the clock, BU. So it's like, oh, dude, like you should be fucking fired and like yeah. banned from here. Um, but anyway, favorite thing ever was when my one buddy that worked at the movie theater, Michael, not not the Michael that's been on the show, but uh, another Michael. He was complaining. This guy, this delivery man, was complaining about Hillary Clinton and complaining about the emails. And finally, he goes, and this this guy's first name was Kevin. I don't give a shit. I haven't given like his last name, and I don't I haven't given the company that he worked with or the name of the movie theater I worked at. But anyway, his name was Kevin, and my my coworker Michael went, Kevin, do you even know how emails work? <laughs> <laughs> it was so beautiful and it was precise and it was perfect like you're complaining about her with emails and it's like do you even know what an email is do you even know how to sign up for email like what you're just you're just putting her down because it's it's you heard that that was something you could say about her to put her down yeah Um, just just an absolute joke um so i think bernie sanders for me was best summed up by a um an online movie critic on Twitter, Devin Faraci. To paraphrase him, he said, I don't disagree with many, if any, of the things that Bernie Sanders would like to do for us. I just don't necessarily believe that he can pull it off. It's like having this 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 smart, caring, charming friend who has all these whimsical and adorable and endearing get rich schemes that he just can't figure out and pull off. And I know that sounds condescending and I don't mean it in that way at all. Like when I talk about him in this podcast, I'm not trying to talk down to him about him or to you especially, but it was just one of those things. And that was what summed it up best for me. And, and I liked what Hillary Clinton once said, like, I, I like to consider myself a progressive but I'm also a progressive that acknowledges reality and what's probable, not what's possible, but what's probable. Um, she was a, she tried to be a champion for universal health care. And, you know, her point was that it would be an uphill battle. If you can remember the uphill battle that the Affordable Care Act was, just picture that times a hundred. Right. And if I can interject here, you've meant, you've, you've, told me that was your your feelings on Bernie and his whole thing multiple times before and I I got to kind of push back on it here because that just seems like such a nihilistic point of view to me because while yes I totally agree that the stuff he would want to do especially universal health care would be such a fucking uphill battle with the type of congress we have um especially now you know my whole thing is and maybe I'm overestimating the population in the community, once again, I'm pretty guilty of doing that. But my whole thing is when it comes to these kind of things and you have the politicians that are standing in the way of the things that you, the people want, what do you do? You vote them the fuck out. Mm -hmm. So just to be like, I like what he does, but I don't think the other people will let him do it. It just kind of seems backwards to me and just not the way Mm -hmm. we should be going about our elections. And I feel like Mm -hmm. too many people do go about their elections that way. And it's part of the reason why we're in the situations we're in. Mm -hmm. No, I, I don't. And I don't, I don't, I can't disagree with that critique. I would love for them to get 
to get voted out. And you know, but I could only I could only be an out of state um, uh, donation for those who would be able to get rid of them. I, I last year alone, I donated to candidates in Kentucky, in the Carolinas, in in Florida. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, though. It's like, yeah, get them out. But that's up to the people that actually live in the state. There's only so much I could do. Right. You know, like like I can't I can't vote against Mitch McConnell. I, I wish I could. But like <laughs> but that would also be bad because then I would live in Kentucky and I would fucking hate living in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, like like these, you know, the, the, the Lindsey Graham's and, and the Ted Cruz's. Yes. Get them the hell out. Like, oh, my God, I, I probably donated to Beto O'Rourke more than I ever did anyone who ran in my own fucking state. Um, but I don't live in Texas. I can't vote in Texas. So all I can do is just do what I'm able to do, you know, from, mm-hmm. I can only vote for president and anyone who runs in Maryland. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not saying to accept defeat, but you know, I, I just, maybe the, the, the argument between Bernie Sanders versus Hillary Clinton is, we ultimately would want to have the same thing eventually, but, you know, are you under the impression that you could skip to step eight and nine while I'm, you know, acknowledging that we have to start with step one and two? I, I just, it's, 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 it's a conversation that leads to so many hard feelings. And, and the DNC should not have, even amongst each other, should not have been as vocal about the fact that they had a favorite. And yes, mm-hmm. That was an issue. They had a favorite. You know, questions that can arise from that is, well, they are voters like anybody else. Like they, of course, they themselves, when they go into that booth and pull the lever or push the button, whatever have you, they're voting for one person over another themselves. Um, But, you know, it, it would have been wrong for them to, you know, at work, through work devices, through accounts at work, discuss amongst each other that they did favor one candidate over another. But what's also what should be remembered there, and I think you've heard me say this before, is they also favored Hillary Clinton over Barack Obama in 2008. And that didn't make her, that didn't allow her to win back then. Barack Obama still defeated her. And Hillary Clinton defeated Bernie Sanders at the same contest within the same system that she was defeated by Barack Obama. I mean, I, I I would say though, I would say though, if I can interject again, while the DNC may have been and the, the, uh, what's the word I want to use the career politicians at that time definitely had a bias towards Hillary. Um, especially since Obama was such a new guy, um, you know, those those people who've been there for a long long time they don't want to see the the rookie come in and mess things up. Um, yeah, I would even though that was the case, the media mm-hmm. did not share that bias. The I remember the media very much loving Barack over Hillary. Right. Yeah. And that was not the case here. The media was definitely in Hillary's favor as well. Mm-hmm. This this time around, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it is one of those things where there's, there's no one answer. And it was right. also like, I mean, the game had evolved. I mean, one minute I'm saying, yes, one minute I'm saying like she defeated him at the same contest within the same system that, you know, she defeated Bernie Sanders at the same thing that she was defeated by Barack Obama. And I guess also like to 
the defense of everyone and no one. The game had evolved so much in those eight years. Social media, especially, not just yeah. the media, social media. Campaigns are now almost entirely reliant on, you know, getting eyeballs on computer screens, on their smartphones, like, uh, you know, on, on websites. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... I just remember being so fucking livid before, like, things really even picked up in the primaries. All the super, de like, you could go on Google and it would be like, here's, like, the projected, you know, delegates and super delegates for the Democrat primary. And already, every single super delegate was, you know, aligned with Hillary. And it's just like, we haven't even mm -hmm. fucking started. And you're giving her, like, it was like a 300-point lead. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, try to tell me mm -hmm. this is fair and balanced. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, the, I mean, the super delegates were, were, were a silly idea in 2008. Like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but no, I'm, I'm, what did the, was it officially 2016 when they opted to, um, do away with them or did they wait until 2020 to do away with them? I think it was maybe like a year or so after that they decided, like a year or so after 2016 that they decided that they weren't doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. And sorry, I had to have a drink break for a second. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, I mean, I, I can tell you that I would have proudly voted for Bernie Sanders either time. Um, I, I do seem to have a bit of a, um, <laughs> I've gotten into a lot of fucking arguments with people that love him more than me online. And I know you've seen that mm -hmm. and I, it hasn't been you, but yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely like, I mean, anybody does, but there's definitely some problematic um, supporters of his online. But I mean, there was Barack Obama had some dude bros in his corner online in 2018. And, you know, it's 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 not fair to Bernie Sanders. That shouldn't be that shouldn't be his fucking problem, especially when he told his supporters, please vote for Hillary. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, don't don't I mean, fuck this up. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, and that that was frustrating to see. It's like um, and, and it's like all those fucking Bernie supporters who, like, I, I remember one specifically. I won't mention her name, but I think you know who I'm talking about. We re we've referred to her before as the the smartest dumb person in the world. World. Um, mm -hmm. She she voted for Jill Stein, and I'm just like, are you for fucking real? And she's yeah. just like, and she's like, I just can't in good conscience vote for Hillary because she's done this this. this. I'm like, she hasn't though. Like. I'm like, yeah. and I'm like, you know, and you, you could sit there and say you can't in good conscience vote for Hillary because we got to, she's just like, you know, you say voting for Jill Stein is the same as voting for Trump, but it's not. And I'm just like, you're wasting your fucking vote. You might as well stay the fuck home because yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care how you fucking feel. I'm going to get a little Ben Shapiro on you and tell you that facts don't care about your fucking feelings because the yeah. fact is either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton is going to be president. Yeah. So yeah. you're going to sit there and tell me that you, you're you just not even going to try to stop Donald Trump from being president just because you have some issues with Hillary that are not entirely accurate. Like, it, right. I, like I, I just hope those people like understand what they fucking cost us these last four years. Like, you, yeah. just, just the logic behind it all. Because I'm like, you... Okay, I get it. I fucking am pissed that Bernie lost too, and mm. I think he 
he should have gotten the nomination. And if he would have, Donald Trump never would have been fucking president. I, I stand by that, that opinion very much so. But here's the thing. You can either get maybe – it was like maybe 50 to 75% of the things Bernie wanted under Hillary. You can have that. wouldn't be everything, but it would be a lot of the same things. Or you can get the exact fucking opposite of what you would have gotten under Bernie with Donald Trump. Take your fucking pick, losers. Yeah. I'm – it's all about like – I'm willing to have a dialogue with someone. I'm willing to have a, a conversation – about someone's concerns and someone's critiques. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to, and I I like Hillary Clinton, but if you want to calmly tell me that, you know, I just think that she is the culmination and embodiment of a political system that people have grown tired and bored with at best, at the least, um, that's still a much more intelligent conversation than she's a devil worshiping lesbian who has people assassinated. Like that's how you lose me. Like you lost me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that was, I'm sure he's a nice guy in real life, but like what a boring running mate pick. Yeah. Um, just, and, and this whole time I thought, I thought like she was setting up, um, uh, Julian Castro to be a running mate. Which I found him to be disappointing in this previous primary. Yeah, he was. Holy fuck! Um, like, did he even try? Uh, I think there were moments where he was trying too hard. Like him trying to like call out like Joe Biden, um, trying to subtly um, question if he had Alzheimer's was like really fucking uncool. Like yeah. that's Donald Trump shit. Um, but no, this. In 2016, what Alzheimer's are calling out people for having Alzheimer's? What? You said that's Donald Trump shit. I said what? Ha- having Alzheimer's or calling out people for having Alzheimer's? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, I thought Julian Castro was being, I guess, groomed to be her running mate, which I thought that would have been awesome too. Like Donald Trump, like a great one-two punch would have been him being defeated by a woman and a person of Hispanic descent. Um, but no, it just, it just, yeah, just, just a total snooze button of a choice. Yeah. Um, so then finally, like, what more is there to say about Donald Trump that we haven't said in, in previous episodes? Um, yeah. I mean, just, I mean, and the people, so many people bought into it. So many people were, were, willing to believe the worst rumors about a woman over the worst facts about a man. Yeah. And, and, you know, they acted like Hillary Clinton was a loser for being cheated on, but they had almost no opinion on Donald Trump for, for being a cheater himself. Yeah. And just like, you know, they used, they used Bill Clinton's wrongdoing as a reason to put her down. And I'm like, hold on. I want to make sure I have this correctly. Bill Clinton cheats on his wife and you're more annoyed with his wife than him. Like, yeah, like that's when I knew that in, with some, in a lot of, in a lot of corners and angles of this country, there's a stronger sense of sexism than there is racism. I mean, both are pretty strong, but in, in, in certain angles at certain times, it's it kind of 
I, I was still surprised at how much sexism was still in America. Yeah. Um, and I guess I say that from a place of privilege being a guy, but yeah. Um, three million more votes. And I, I mean, how, how can you, how can you feel good that your guy won, but didn't actually like win as many, you know, the most people like how can and then, you and then have the audacity to say that Democrats always cheat on elections. And I'm just like, yo, a Democrat has never won the presidency without winning both popular and electoral votes. Every instance where a candidate has become president after losing popular but winning electoral has been Republican. Yeah. And then yeah. the well, it's happened, I believe, five times in American history. Four of them have been Republicans. And the fifth one, what happened was, because this is how fucked the electoral college is, just having the most electoral votes doesn't matter. You need to hit the majority. So you can have more but not hit the majority, in which case – the election gets voted by the House of Representatives. And I believe it was Andrew Jackson the first time he ran way back in the 1800s. And yeah, he, he got, Andrew Jackson got more electoral votes and more popular votes, but he didn't get the majority and the House of Representatives voted against him. And it's just like, okay, so this dude was very much the choice of the people on both fronts and you still fucked him. I mean, don't get me wrong, Andrew Jackson was a real motherfucker. He's a cocksucker too. <laughs> but it's what the people wanted, and yeah, that's just how yeah. fucked our, our election system is over here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's also – that whole conversation there is why a, a – um, as long as the electoral college exists, a third party or write-in candidate will never be president. Yeah. And I'm, I'm tired of having to say that. Like, I mean, even, even if we get rid of the electoral college, they probably won't either because they're all awful. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm because... sorry. I'm sorry. If you can sit there and in good conscience tell me that Gary Johnson or Jill Stein are intelligent individuals, I think you're on crack. Yeah, just because someone is third or alternative does not automatically make them cool or good. Um, yeah. Or smart. No, you have to reach 270. End yeah. of story. If that number is not reached, the House votes, which is always held by one of the two major parties. Mm -hmm. So I guess – you can have a majority in the House of Representatives that are third parties or is a single third party because there's more than one third party. So like, yeah, in order for this fantasy to happen for you, it's a, it's a whole headache. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. So uh, I don't, I, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess so much has been said over Donald Trump. Most of my thoughts and feelings were on the primary just as a, a sense of uh, a therapeutic uh, venting there. Um, I just, I'm, I'm rather I'm rather proud that you and I didn't get into a screaming fight, but I I think that's because like, you know, my what I try to say isn't so much putting what you wanted down or who you were for because I I like him too, but I I think it was just a very messy matter. Um, I just remember there was, uh, there was, there was, there was one, there was one like nanosecond after Trump got elected where I thought maybe things would actually be okay. And it was, it was when Trump went to the white house to, you know, basically the, the tradition of the sitting president greeting his successor for the day and whatnot. And I remember, you know, after Trump won, 
there was that moment where like you know we could tell that he he did not expect to win and this was a dude who whose bluff got called and he was holding a two um but then he got over it real quick and like strode up to the white house like he had big dick energy and i remember him coming out of that meeting with obama and both of them looked like like it, some shit had been said um and I just remember that that press meeting that they had after that meeting where they talked with each other and everything and Trump he 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 was much more subdued than we've ever seen him and I remember him just being like hey pointing at Obama like hey this is this is a good man and I'm like you know what maybe things will be okay after all and then 2 weeks later he was like Obama's bugged my office <laughs> and I was like well that was fun while it lasted yeah yeah Obama bugged my office. Remember that shit? <laughs> he, 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 he tried to record me saying all these shitty things. No, that was just you being interviewed. <laughs> that was my fa- That was probably my favorite, and, and by favorite, I mean least favorite thing, is these people who are like, that didn't happen. It's like, we literally saw it happen in fucking real time. Oh my God, these fucking morons. I'm just so sick of the living in a world that's run by fucking idiots and bullies. <laughs> he never called Mexicans rapists and murderers. It was literally the first thing he said. Yeah. <laughs> he, he said it like five minutes after coming down the escalator. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's not um, racist. I, I, If you're a white person, I'm sorry. I don't think you get to decide what is and isn't racist. <laughs> Yeah. I just don't think you get to be on that committee. Oh, man. Oh, man. Mm. Well, any final thoughts on that? Um, I hope Donald Trump dies before 2024. I sincerely Oof. do because I am terrified he's going to try to grow over Cleveland us. Uh, peacefully in his sleep, you mean? I don't care how he goes. I just hope he fucking goes. Oh, wow. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> oh, yes, because I'm the per- first person who's ever said that. The Secret Service probably said that shit. Come on now. <laughs> oh, my God. Melania's oh, probably said that shit at this point. God, I forgot she even existed. You could tell that's a woman who, like, did not want to be in that situation at all. No, she just wanted to go on shopping sprees on Times Square over and over again. Yeah, she was just like, I, did, I didn't sign up for this shit. <laughs> Yeah, she just wanted to go on endless shopping sprees on Fifth Avenue. I didn't sign up for showing up to talk about bullies while wearing a jacket that says, I don't care. Yeah. Ugh. Well, we got the, the, the big ticket item out of the way. Let's divert our energy to some other stuff that happened. The world of pop culture of 2016 will start off with our bread and butter movies. Start oh, off we don't, with... you want to talk about Harambe? <laughs> I miss him every day. Best third-party candidate ever. <laughs> Dicks out for Harambe. What a weird-ass year. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm thinking about that video of that incident where the music from Tarzan is played over it. Also, also, I, I mean, I, and I guess, like, with cultural, um, don't forget, this is the year where, like, a, a very creepy amount of celebrities passed away. Um, oh, yeah. You had Anton... You had Anton Yelchin, who, in my opinion, still would have been, like, my perfect choice for Spider-Man. But you had Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. um, David Bowie, uh, uh, the guy played um, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Um, and then finally, 
And this was when I was like, all right, for real, fuck 2016. Just like, I guess the, the straw for me, like just, just another nail in the coffin. Um, I'm not saying this was like, I'm not trying to say this is, you know, like this is more important for the world than, you know, the election and whatever, but I'm not trying to, you know, say one person's life is worth more than someone else's. But for me, when George Michael died on Christmas, I was like, this year fucking sucks. (laughs) When Lemmy from Motorhead also died in 2016, I believe. That's right. Um, I feel like there's like more didn't adam west die in 2016 or was he 2017 there's there were so uh, many like it it was it it got to the point to where i was afraid to look look at my phone because i was afraid i was gonna see another beloved celebrity just gone muhammad ali prince patty duke um wilder uh yeah harper lee um Yeah. So the trend was when you saw a celebrity trending in 2016, they probably passed away. When you saw a celebrity trending in 2017, they were probably me tooed. Yeah. So not a good time. No, no. But George Michael died on Christmas. Fuck that year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if Donald Trump could die on my birthday, it'd make up for it. Um, Anyway, let's move on. Speaking of death, we'll start with the Suicide Squad for movies. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. Oh man, fuck this movie. Let it, just, just let it all out. Go ahead. Fuck this movie. It's not just objectively the worst DC extended universe movie. It's it's the it's just objectively a bad fucking movie. Like the first half hour starts off good. I I was looking forward to this movie. Like those trailers look fucking awesome. And like the first half hour starts off good. After that, it goes downhill real fucking quick. Uh, it is. It just culminates. The whole thing's just a loud fucking mess. Uh, there's just a lot of elements that were not utilized very well at all. I mean, we finally get Will Smith in a big budget mainstream comic book movie, and he plays fucking Deadshot. Wow, way to waste a fucking genie, DC. Um, fucking Harley Quinn is literally just there to sell T-shirts and be sexualized. Like, you wasted Margot Robbie in that movie. You might as well just use the fucking porn star for that role at that point. Um, Katana stands out like a sore fucking thumb and does absolutely nothing at all despite that. Uh, And the villain, the final fight, the final boss just dances the whole fucking fight. Like, it's a stupid fucking movie. It's a bad fucking movie. Um, The only character with, like, any sort of interesting backstory is uh, El Diablo. But by the time you find out what his story is, you see it coming from a mile away and you don't fucking care anymore. Fuck this movie. I'm looking forward to trashing this movie on Wednesday when we go to the Ridiculous Podcast to talk about these movies with Kyle and Calvin. Fuck this movie. Go ahead. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. Like, I walk. There's. This is, like, one of, like, two movies that I walked out of with a fucking migraine. The other one being Transformers Age of Extinction. I'm with you there. So when it comes to this 2016 Suicide Squad, I thought all the trailers were awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like Exhibit A for the fact that the original cut was very different than the theatrical cut that we got was the first Comic-Con trailer. Because the final product that we saw in theaters was nothing like that Comic-Con trailer. 
Um, it had like just a very different mood and tone. And but yeah, no, I thought all the trailers were awesome. I love the 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 trailer that did um that played Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final trailer did Ballroom Blitz, and that was my personal favorite. But yeah, like it started out as like a really creepy good movie that you know by the final trailer I was like, okay, this just looks like a fun time, yeah. you know. And it had like a, it had a very much like, I guess this is ironic and foreshadowing. It very much had like a guardians of the galaxy vibe to it. Like a team of misfits of outcasts of losers that make for a really fun time and at the movies with your buddies. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I think my wife summed it up best and is, is what you said. Like, the first half was decent when they're introducing everybody and showing you flashbacks of their backstory. Like the first half was fine, but then it just gets kind of messy and sloppy. Um, you know, Will Smith is dead shot. I, There's so many other yeah. characters that they could have used Will Smith for that would have been so much better. Like, and just so much more like would have just gotten people so much more pumped. Like they could have had him as John Stewart who's who's my favorite green lantern uh they could have had i I think will smith would have been awesome as deathstroke i think will smith would even make a good martian manhunter like there's so many other characters they could have used will smith for that would have just gotten people so much more hyped yeah it also did nothing for the character like you would think like oh since will smith played him he'll become really popular mainstream now nobody gives a shit about death shot dead shot now yeah um so it did absolutely nothing for the character, but I was like, whatever. And, 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 you know, back to like preemptively trying to compliment this movie, this looked like the return of fun Will Smith. Yeah. Because for the last several years, Will Smith was in movies that just weren't fun. Um, and even if the movie was good, like The Pursuit of Happiness, it I, I just wanted that like that Men in Black um, independent. Fresh. You wanted Will the Smith. Fresh Prince to come back. I, I wanted the Fresh Prince to come back. And this looks like it could have been the return of that. And say what you will about the final product, you know, at the cinema, but the casting of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, when I first heard that she was cast, I was like, that's awesome. Like, it's it's a perfect casting. It's just in this particular movie, it's fucking wasted. Yeah. Um, and then, <clears throat> you know, just nitpicks though, like like Katana. She has a sword that traps the souls of all its victims, and then they do absolutely nothing with that. And I just like, love the line, like, you don't want to get killed by her. Her sword traps the souls of its victims. It's just like, yeah, as if getting, like, you needed a reason to not want to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, like, that'd be worse because you're in, like, a, a, a horrible, torturing limbo. I don't – but the thing is – I, I can't say anything more about it because they don't do anything with exactly. it. Exactly. Like, other, other than like we see a scene where she cries that she like killed her husband at some point, and we learn nothing about that. Like, yeah. Um, and then El Diablo was okay. I don't know. Honestly, like he, he was kind of like a walking stereotype. Yeah. He, he was kind of yeah. uncomfortable at times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the even bigger stereotype, which doesn't even make sense, was. Killer Croc watching BET. And it's just yeah. like, what? Though I do appreciate that Killer Croc wasn't CGI. He was yeah. prosthetic. Yeah. I appreciate that and respect that. Yeah. Um and um I don't I don't mind Cara Delevingne Cara Delevingne, whatever. Um I, I just didn't care for her character. Yeah. Um and it's just also 
it may it may be like the obvious cliche choice, but the main villain should have just been the Joker. And this isn't me trying to like do like, oh, I could have been a better writer. Here's screenwriting 101, but like without without claiming that I could have done a superior script, I'm just saying that the Joker should have been the main villain. It should have just been him having a dirty bomb in the middle of the city mm-hmm. and they go in and try to deactivate it and capture him. And that's why they have Harley Quinn with them as leverage his ex-girlfriend because like you're fighting an ancient Aztec goddess and her brother that's opening up a sky portal and summoning this army of the dead. What the hell is a crazy bitch with a baseball bat going to do? Like what do you, what this team up doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then you have the fact that they're being followed by an actual like army ranger battalion. Like there's all these like normal army dudes with them. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Doesn't the fact that they're being followed by army dudes completely like um, cancel out the entire purpose of a suicide squad? Like the whole point of the suicide squad is they're so... supposed to be black ops, like covert agents, basically. <laughs> like well, also the fact that they're expendable and disposable. Yeah. You know, you're sacrificing bad guys so you don't have to sacrifice good guys. And it's like if you send in normal soldiers with them, then why did you even make the suicide squad? Yeah, and. And yeah, I mean, like, it's just a third act that gets kind of messy. Um, Jared Leto as the Joker should have should have been a decent thing. But like but it wasn't. <laughs> it was almost like a very pretentious high school, a very pretentious high schooler in drama club trying to do his own interpretation of Heath Ledger. Yeah. Um, which I feel like has been said before. I can't claim credit for that, but I don't know. And as far as like, a supposed David Ayer cut. I, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that his original version would have been superior because we've seen many times that the director's cut is better than what we get. But the real question is how much better would it have been? Would it have been enough to really make that much of a difference? I don't think so. I, I mean, I, no sense arguing over because we don't have it yet. Um, and as far as like Warner Brothers releasing it on HBO Max, from my understanding, like most of the work for it, unlike Zack Snyder's Justice League, is done anyway. So why the hell not? Like, if you're not interested in it, yeah, you don't have to watch it, but it's free content. You're just sitting on content. It's free so, real estate. Like, yeah, yeah, it's free real estate. Um, so if 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 you know the the a lot many of the editing and and vfx shots are are done anyway why the hell not like just put it on for something to watch and that you know encourages views and subscribers and again why the hell not what do you have to lose if you're just sitting on it anyway um but yeah i guess those are my thoughts on you know originally i didn't care for this movie when it ended Everyone else I saw it with liked it a lot, and I was the stick in the mud. I was the party pooper. And then over the years, I find myself being the one being like, I don't know if it was that bad, but I guess you do. So, Oh, on. man, I, I would love to wipe my ass with that poster. Um, that's how I feel about that movie. But we'll move on to a much better movie, uh, Don't Breathe. And a couple episodes, I have no idea what you think of this movie. Yeah, a couple episodes ago we talked about this movie and I referred to it lovingly as Don't Fart or You'll Die. Um, and you guys told me to watch it. And I watched it like maybe a night or two after that episode. And I've been quiet about it since. So I wanted to surprise mm-hmm. you. Um, I like it. I think it is a good, solid movie. It's a very original type of thriller. Um, 
you know, like my, my gripes with it are minor. Um, like, you know, from the get go, you could tell the, the, the blind dudes hiding something. And I don't know if I want to get into like spoilers here, especially with a sequel, just ha- like getting ready to come out or just having come out. Um, I, I would, I would say with this movie, I mean, like it's been five it, years. It's five years old. Just yeah, let's do spoilers. Yeah. We'll just we'll just say spoiler alert. You know, if you if you don't want to have this movie spoiled for you, just skip the next like five minutes or so. Um, but yeah, you could tell from the get go this this blind dude's hiding something. Um, you know, because like when 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 they shoot open the the basement door and they're like, we know what's in there, thinking that that like his money is in there, and he freaks out. And he kills the one dude, and the girl goes and hides, and she finds a safe hidden behind the wall there. I'm like, okay, well, what's in the fucking basement? And, like, immediately I already had an idea of what was in the basement. It was going to be the girl that ran over his daughter, and it was. But then that second twist, I didn't see that coming, where it turns out he was keeping her there, not to torture her as punishment, but he impregnated her. Because he was like, you took my child away, so now you have to get me another one. I didn't see that twist coming. And I still don't quite know how to feel about it. Like, a part of me is like, holy fuck, that's a hell of a twist. But another part of me is almost like, I feel like that might be a little too far. <laughs> um, Especially with the turkey baster. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, fuck, that scene when, you know, because they accident- he accidentally kills her. So he kidnaps the girl that broke into the house and tries to like do the same thing with her and he like just the shit he says to her like not and just it's just nine months and you'll have your life back like what the fuck and the fact that he uses like a turkey baster is so much more fucked up than if he actually like assaulted her because he has like a weird fucked up morality logic behind it where he's like I'm not a rapist I never touched her and I don't touch you like you know, like he he acts like he has some sort of warped moral high ground over it, and that makes it more fucking fucked up and scary, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it's it's a solid good movie, and it's it's a great thriller, and like it goes off the rails in some parts. Um, my only real gripe with it is the sequel because, and I haven't seen the sequel, and I, I I probably will. I would like to, but I it's mainly the marketing campaign behind the sequel because you've seen the trailers and the commercials where he's got like, I guess like a, a daughter or whatever now in the sequel, and it, yeah. it's presenting him as like he's a family man now, protect, protecting his child, and it's just like this is not a guy to root for. You're kind of like defeating the whole point of that first movie by doing that. Um, yeah. So that's just that's just my thoughts on it. So you know, I'll let you get into it. So yeah, I mean. I think this is a hell of a thriller. Like it, you know, this summer, um, summer 2016, as far as movies go, it failed to produce a great villain. I felt like, um, none of the movies that came out this summer, just, just, they were lacking in the bad guy department. And then finally in the final month of the summer, August, the blind man from don't breathe was like, hold your fucking beers. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I guess like the only real flaw with this movie and gripe I would have is the fact that this had to have a marketing campaign. Cause you have to have a marketing campaign or else nobody will know that your movie exists and nobody will go see it. But I almost wish with a movie like this, I almost wish that it didn't have a trailer mm-hmm. because, because they have to, 
if it's just like, oh, wow, there's these kids and they break into the house of a blind man, find out what happens. It's like, that's not enough to convince people to go see the movie. Yeah. So it's like you either with having a trailer for this movie in nature, you either don't give them enough or you give them too much. And mm -hmm. sadly, the trailers did too much because imagine if if I just sat you down and was like, this is a movie I just made. Check it out. And I turned <laughs> it on for you it would have been a wild ride. Like, holy shit. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh man, these kids are, you know, breaking into houses. It's like, and the, and the kid tries to say just because he's blind doesn't mean he's a saint, but it's like, okay, well, you're like the badass of the group. You're just a shitty dude anyway. Yeah. But then like, he's like nuts and he kills the one guy. Mm -hmm. And then like, again, I, I don't need to recap the whole movie, but like there's layers to it. So yeah, like this is a movie where I almost wish it could have existed and everyone could have gone to see it without having seen the trailer, because mm -hmm. I feel like it would have been a really cool experience and a really wild ride. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, this film is basically like if Alfred Hitchcock grew up in the eighties and watched the slasher films of that generation. And then he became a director in the, 2010s and made a movie like mm -hmm. this movie is basically that if, if alfred hitchcock was gen x um yeah yeah i mean it's it's a crazy movie and it's got one hell of a villain and i don't understand how he's the protagonist in a new movie <laughs> um because it's like yeah um he has a daughter and do we need reminded on how he acquires these yeah. daughters like i don't why are you having me root for this guy the blind man will return at Avengers Age of Ultron. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, well, let's move on to the next movie, Split. Um, the Visit, which came out the prior year, was like a return to form for M. Night Shyamalan. But Split was like, he, he went a step further. It's like M. Night Shyamalan's not just back. He's fucking. Um, <laughs> I hate that sentence with every ounce of my body. <laughs> and my Shyamalan isn't just back. He's, He's fucking. fucking. <laughs> Dude, Split, Split, you know, that's a, Split is another really great thriller. Um, and it, it fucking starts with its shit two seconds into the movie. Um, it wastes no time getting to the shit that makes your hair that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up and it doesn't let up the entire fucking movie and like the whole time you're just like where the fuck is this movie going and when it finally gets and when it where, when it finally culminates in where it's going holy fuck um and i mean just just james mcavoy's performance in this movie is is the real like is, is the real winner in this movie. Um, and I mean, this was uh, also kind of, it wasn't the first time we saw uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, but this was like probably like the thing that really like kickstarted her career, I would say. Yeah. Um, but no, like this movie, I, I love this movie. Um, I still haven't seen Glass, but I heard it. I, I haven't heard too many good things about it, but I'll probably sit down and watch it at some point. Um and then the twist at the end of Split, revealing that it's actually a sequel to uh, Unbreakable. Like, I don't think anybody cool. saw that coming. That was cool. Yeah. Like, like, the twist was that 
It's a he sequel to probably his to mo- movie he made. One of his most popular movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. just it, it was an awesome movie, and I just really liked the concept of it with you know the the beast and like you know him having all these multiple personalities and you know each personality like his split personality is so syndrome is so deep and so like I guess effective is the word to use that it legit changes his body chemistry. Like there's that video, like when she's going through the videos on his computer and it's like, he's, he's like, he has videos of each of his different personalities. And one of his personalities is like a diabetic girl. And it's just like, he legit develops diabetes when he slips into that personality. It's just like, that's, that's some shit. Um, so it, it did a lot. It had a really interesting concept and it just ran with it. Unlike, uh, his most recent movie, Old, which had an interesting concept, and he just kind of like threw shit at the wall just to see what would stick. Um, so <laughs> in that in that regard, in that regard, Split and Old are like very opposite movies thematically. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I I love this movie. <laughs> with, with Old, M Night Shyamalan wasn't back. He was shitting. <laughs> <laughs> I think Minaj hit the pipe a little too hard when he wrote that one. <laughs> you go this movie made me wish cinemas were in lockdown again <laughs> oh it's so bad don't see it it's so bad there's a character who is unironically named mid-sized sedan don't watch this movie don't watch old please yeah go ahead oh okay well yeah i mean i i don't this is one of those movies where it's so good i don't have a lot to say about it um, James McAvoy's performance, or should I say, performance is yeah, is is just really good. He played and more. A, he played more characters in a movie than a '90s Eddie Murphy flick. <laughs> I, I'm. I don't have anything else to say. It's a good movie. It gets my thumb. <laughs> Did I break you? Yeah, you broke me. I, I don't have anything else to say. Come on. Oh, Sherman, Sherman, Sherman. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to a movie that I know you're going to love, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Mm-hmm. Now, see, this is a, this is another one of those movies where you and I just kind of differ on. Because, like, being a longtime Harry Potter fan, and I'm just going to talk about this without, like, we're not going to get into the whole controversy with J.K. Rowling right now because we've talked about that before, and it just it doesn't it doesn't really apply to to this episode at all. Um, but this is like growing up as a huge Harry Potter fan you know, reading the books and all that. There's so many moments in the books where you see like other stuff happening on the peripheral in this giant, in in this, you know, living, breathing, wizarding world that Harry gets dropped into. And you're always like, Hey, yo, you just want to be like, Hey, yo, Harry, can we like stop for a second? I kind of want to see what's going on over here. And we never do. We never get to. And growing up being a fan of the, of that franchise, I've always been like, I wonder what like else is going on in the wizarding world, you know? And, Essentially, I was always like, I really hope J.K. Rowling one day makes like her own expanded universe off of Harry Potter, like you know George Lucas did with Star Wars, because I think that'd be fucking awesome. Um, and she did, and you know I thought this movie, it's not, it's it's not, you know, wonderful. It's not perfect, um, but I definitely think I honestly think it's better than a few of the Potter movies. In all honesty. Um, my only gripes with it really are, and this is really just more like a me thing. This is more of like my problem. 
I have a hard, I have a really hard time personally understanding really thick British accents, and Eddie Redmayne's is probably the worst. Um, like Eddie Redmayne's dialogue just sounds like a lot of mumbling and like mush mouth to me. Um, I cannot. Yeah, that, that's... I, I can't watch Eddie Redmayne in really anything without subtitles. And that's really just a me thing. Like I, that's just me having a hard time understanding that kind of accent, but I loved the character he played and I loved, you know, how he played him. Like he's basically, he, he's basically if Hagrid was competent. <laughs> and I, I loved how it managed to tie in to the, the story of Harry Potter in terms of the Deathly Hallows, but it doesn't like rely on Harry's journey and what Harry went through. And, you know, I, I thought it was a really good movie. I thought it was a nice solid first step into like a, an expanded Harry Potter universe. Um, you know, it's just one of those movies. I don't have much to say other than I liked it. And I, I think anybody who is a fan of Harry Potter should watch it. <clears throat> um yeah i don't care i did not care for fantastic beasts and where to find them um and yeah i mean i enjoyed most of the harry potter movies and even like the one that i enjoyed the least which was um the half-blood prince i don't dislike it um but yeah i i, I like the universe of the wizarding world um, but yeah, I mean, and I'm sure we'll talk about the crimes of Grindelwald when we get to 2018, but mm -hmm. just with this first movie, I, I just, I don't know. It just, I didn't care about anything that happened in it. I didn't care for anyone in it. Um, I like Dan Fogler in it, the guy from, uh, Balls of Fury <laughs> and Boys and Take Me Home Tonight. Like he was, I he was, pro he was probably the best character. Yeah, I mean, I like him. Uh, with Eddie Redmayne, that, that ain't his accent. He's just a mumbler. Like, it doesn't matter if he's, you know, British, French, or German. Like, well, he's I just do. A I, I do legit personally have a hard time understanding a lot of British accents. Yeah. So it didn't I mean, help. That's fair. That's fair. He's, um, yeah, he's, uh, I don't know. As far as this movie goes, he's basically the Dollar General version of Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, <laughs> I like Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I find him to be it, probably just the a very uninteresting, unlikable protagonist. And not as in like, oh my God, I hate him. He's the worst. Like, he's so shitty. Why is he the hero of the story? But just like he's just a very like gray, beige protagonist that I don't really feel anything for. Well, I like how um, I like how he's kind of a fish out of water. Like he's just a dude who's just traveling, trying to write a book about, you know, magical creatures because that's what he's into. And then he just accidentally stumbles into this whole like fucking plot, and and I think I, and you know it, it's expanded on more when when and we'll talk about that if whenever we talk about the sequel later on mm -hmm. a few episodes from now, but you know, I, I think it works. All right. I mean, I, we'll talk about the, oh, I, I do, I do. Um, I mean, not that I loved his character in these movies, but I do wish Ezra Miller was in more movies because 
I don't know. I just really like Ezra Miller as a as an actor. So, yeah. um, I mean, the one moment that I actually liked is when Colin Farrell, right before, you know, anamorphing into Johnny Depp, um, expresses like his annoyance with the Ministry of Magic because he wasn't even wrong. Like he's like you know, who do these laws even protect? Like they don't protect us. Like, because we seem to always get fucked over from them. Um, yeah. I mean, like just from what I can tell, the ministry of magic seems rather useless <laughs> in this universe, like just kind of worthless. So I don't know. That's all I have to say about that. All right. Well then we'll move on to the next movie. Deadpool movie that had been talked about for like almost 10 fucking years. And we were all like, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. And then it finally fucking happened. <laughs> um, yeah. And I do not like Deadpool, the comic character. I think he's kind of annoying and written for sixth graders. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least he was, you know, in the years leading up to this movie, but Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, I'm for him. I'm here for it. I fucking love him. And I'm so glad that he's part of the MCU. Like I, Disney made the correct and only choice by doing that. Um, like that nobody else can play Deadpool ever. I don't think. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, I went into this movie like, Oh, I'm sure it'll be goofy and silly or whatever. You know, just it's Ryan Reynolds. It's a Ryan Reynolds rated R flick. And it is goofy and silly, but it's like, it's also fucking cool. Like there's no other word for it. It's just a really cool movie. Like it, and it, it's a really great self parody. Like it doesn't take itself too seriously. And it, it kind of takes the piss out of the fact that out of just like the comic book industry and the comic book movie industry as a whole, and not in like a passive aggressive backhand way, just in like a really, like we know we're goofy and we're over the top and it's just like, whatever, we're having fun with it. Um, no, it's just a really cool, fun movie, and like Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool, I love him. I want one. Um, I, I hope, I hope, like what I would love to see happen is for him, Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool, to become the new Stan Lee cameo in the MCU. I think that would be the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Deadpool, it's one of those movies that's just like it's so good. There's not a whole lot to say about it. Um, so I'll give it to you. Yeah, I mean, I love this movie. This is a movie that we thought for years was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Trevor always seemed to keep the faith. And I was like, you know, because it became, you know, public and common knowledge that Ryan Reynolds was supposed to be Deadpool in 2019 mm-hmm. since he was an X-Men Origins Wolverine. And then that movie turned out to be terrible. And I'm like, oh, man, it, it, he'll probably lose the job based on that. Yeah. And then, like, 2011 he plays the green lantern and i'm like yeah i don't think he's gonna be deadpool again mm-hmm. and then like the years go by and trevor's like yeah yeah i think uh i think hopefully soon we'll be hearing something about ryan reynolds as deadpool and it's like I, dude i don't think it's going to fucking happen and then finally like i ate crow um yeah. that that video got leaked and everyone praised it and it was like, okay, we're finally doing this thing. Like it comes out Valentine's Day weekend, 2016. And I'm like, perfect. All right, let's, let's check it out. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very 
for as for as wild and funny as it is, it's it's a very contained movie. It doesn't like it doesn't you, you can tell it was working with a budget, mm-hmm. but it made it it made it work. It didn't feel lame. Um, and you know, I love I mean, probably my favorite joke in the movie is when he's talking to Colossus and um uh negasonic teenage warhead mm-hmm. at the expansion he goes huh wow it's a big house yet you're the only two i ever see it's yeah almost like it's, it's almost like the studio couldn't afford more x-men yeah <laughs> and then, i love uh, the thing, i love colossus i'm taking you to the professor uh, Stuart or mcavoy <laughs> Stuart or mcavoy this timeline's confusing and then um <laughs> so yeah, you have all those jokes and, and probably the other moment that's one of my favorites is um when you know he knocks on the X Mansion door again and uh Teenage Warhead answers and since she has a shaved head he goes, Ripley from Alien Three? And she just goes, Fuck, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah, and it, yeah, it is it's it's almost like a deconstruction of the genre, mm-hmm. you know, especially when it's like, oh check it out, they're gonna do the superhero landing. Oh wow, I hear that's really hard on the knees. Um but yeah, no, it's it's just a likable movie. It's arguably the most likable superhero film that came out that year. Um so yeah, no, I was I was for it. I, I still prefer it over the second one. I think it's superior. I still haven't um, seen the second one. Really? I I just it just flew past my radar and I never got around to watching it. I mean, like, I thought Josh Brolin as Cable was awesome, but other than that, like, I just, I think with the first movie versus the second movie, it comes back to the little old saying of sometimes less is more, and that's how I feel when comparing Deadpool 1 to Deadpool 2. Sometimes less is more. It also doesn't help so. that Cable just isn't a very good character, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, really? I don't think Cable's oh. a good character. And you oh. know why? One of the reasons why? Cable's been a character for about, oh, 30 years now, and you know what? Nobody can tell you what the fuck Cable's powers are. <laughs> I, uh, uh. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's move on to our next movie, Ghostbusters. The 2016 Ghostbusters reboot, the all-ladies Ghostbusters reboot. Um, so this movie got a lot of shit <laughs> that wasn't deserved. Um just the second that this th- th- this was so stupid. Like the second this movie was announced, everybody decided that it was garbage and that they hated it, just because it was all ladies. And it's just like we've rebooted so many different movies in the last like couple years alone. Why yeah. is this one the one that like ties your pubes in a knot? Like why is it this one? That why is this one the yeah. hill you want to die on? Yeah, and, yeah. In, and, in a world where we just got PG-13 RoboCop and Terminator movies, like, this yeah. is when you pick up the sword. <laughs> yeah. And now, granted, I wasn't, like, necessarily looking forward to this movie either just because of the cast they chose. I'm like, I'm not a Melissa McCarthy fan, and I'm not a Kristen Wiig fan at all. Um, and I remember when they announced that they were going to be the stars of the movie – I was just like, oh, great. And they were like, I remember they were like, hey, the trailer finally drops tomorrow. And I'm like, I can tell you right now, the trailer's going to have Melissa McCarthy falling down and shouting. And Kristen Wiig's going to get like covered in some sort of sticky substance and make a slightly sexual joke about it. And that's exactly what happened in that first trailer. And it did not give me high hopes. But you know what? 
I went and saw it, and it's okay. It's it's not as good as the original movie, but it's a hell of a lot better than fucking Ghostbusters 2. Um, <laughs> and it's a decent movie in its own right. Like, the only problems with it is, and I love how they flipped the script on, like, the ditzy secretary stereotype with uh, Chris Hemsworth being, like, a complete fucking beefcake moron. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Just like, why don't your glasses have lenses in them? Oh, I took them out so they wouldn't get dirty. <laughs> like that shit was great that shit had like chris hemsworth had me cracking the fuck up in this movie um yeah just because just how stupid he was being (laughs) but so but and yet so sincere about it he was like he he was like a human dog in a way Um, but it's a decent movie it's not bad and the the only gripe I had about it the the biggest gripe I had about it was everybody in this universe like this entire universe that this movie exists in seems to be filled with people who don't know how to be humans and don't know how to communicate like humans like mm-hmm. everybody is super awkward in every single situation and it just kind of comes off cringy um, everybody's yeah. weird everybody's awkward every like. And if anything slightly uncomfortable happens, everybody just like doesn't know how to function for the next like scene or two. And it's just really weird and kind of wears thin after a while. Um, right. But other, but other than that, it's a, it's an all right movie. It's not bad. It's better than what I was expecting, especially given again, Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig. Um, like I wouldn't have minded if they would have ran with that and made a sequel to that, but instead we're getting a Ghostbusters sequel that is trying to be Oscar nominated, which is odd, but yeah, I mean, I'll go see that too and let you guys know what I think about it whenever it comes out. But you know, other than that, that's all I got to say about the 2016 Ghostbusters. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to agree with what you said. Like everyone in this world is either a dumbass, a smart ass or an asshole. Like yeah. there's no, there's no normal people here. Yeah. Um, and like they're all like all the members or at least like at least um at least all Kristen, the white ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Kristen Wig, um, Melissa McCarthy and uh uh Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon. They're all trying to be the crazy one, the funny one, and the the logical one all at the same time. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you're all trying to be three different characters each at the same time as one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, I did like Leslie Jones in this movie a lot, you know, whereas in the original, when Ernie Hudson shows up, he, he literally says, Hey, listen, I'll believe whatever you want me to. I just want a job. Yeah. Um, that's all it came down to. Whereas in this movie, Leslie Jones has more of a character and passion. You know, she is able to explain that she's a historian or at least has an interest in history as a hobby and is able to explain the significance of different locations being haunted. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool um, because and, and this this is true. Originally, Ernie Hudson was going to have more lines, but a lot of them were repurposed, you know, quips and, and dialogue and jokes and just good lines. A lot of it was repurposed for um, Bill Murray. Because the studio and producers told Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, quote, nobody is going to remember the black guy. Yeah. Um, 
which was shitty. And that was one of um, Bill Murray's, um, you know, conditions. If he ever did come back for a third movie was Ernie Hudson had to have just as many lines as him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just people get, and I, and I was one of those people. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, be like, you know, try to spare myself in hindsight and stuff. I was one of those shitty people at first where I'm like, this is dumb. Like why, why can't, you know, like I got upset. And then, you know, like over the year that it was coming out, I, I grew the fuck up, um, <laughs> at least in this respect, you know? And, and um, it's like, is it as good as the original movie? Well, no, not if you grew up with the original movie. Like, that was from your childhood. That was one of your favorite films growing up. Like, nothing can top that. Nothing will ever replace that. Like, your childhood already happened, you know? Like, like I don't care what Batman movie comes out in my 40s and 50s. Nothing will be able to duplicate that those emotions I had when I was 17 years old watching The Dark Knight in theaters opening night. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's just it's not the same thing. It's an unfair comparison. And, you know, I remember I was usher ushering that weekend when it when it started, um, you know, July 2016. And so many girls so many little girls were walking out of that theater laughing and giggling and and just talking about what their favorite parts were and Shit, not like just this, little girls i saw like college age girls like girls our age at the time walking out and they, loving that movie so, exactly exactly and, and it's just, just like it's just like how, how often do the ladies get like a a, a goofy quirky sci-fi action movie for themselves yes yes like they weren't exactly able to go to the Avengers and 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 just you know all of them bond over Black Widow or Guardians of the Galaxy and all of them bond over only Gamora. Like yeah. this was a cool experience. Like and that is more important than grown men who already had their childhood and believe that their favorite things belong to them and only them mm -hmm. and are gatekeepers. Like gatekeeping is such a cancer among fandoms. Um, and yeah, I mean. It's just, man, I mean, I could almost talk myself in circles, but the film itself, it's all right. It's a fun time. I, I enjoy it. Um, again, like th there isn't a single normal person in this universe, but whatever. Um, I guess my only gripes with it can be nitpicks. Um, and, I, and there are a lot of moments that were legitimately funny, especially the part where they do like almost a fourth wall breaking where they talk about internet comments being shitty towards them. and. Um, but yeah, I mean, at least at least this film understood that the brand, the IP of Ghostbusters, is a comedy. Unlike this new film that's about to come out, where it's trying to be Super Eight, and it's like trying yeah. to have all these shots and moments where it's like, it's almost like under the impression that the it's trying to be a legacy sequel to a Ghostbusters movie that was directed by Steven Spielberg, and that film doesn't exist. Yeah. So it's like, why is why is Jason Reitman the son of the original director, Ivan Reitman, trying to be J.J. Abrams. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. And I'm watching these trailers, and I'm like, none of this is funny. Uh, whatever. I, Ghostbusters 2016, it's an enjoyable watch. Right, we'll move on to the next movie, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. First, The first spinoff Star Wars movie, because at the time when they announced that they were going to do the sequel trilogy, they were also like, hey... There will be a sequel trilogy movie every other year, but in those, you know, intertwining years, we'll have a spinoff movie. And this was the first one. 
the story of you know the the crew that managed to steal the death the Death Star plans. And honestly, I fucking loved this movie more than The Force Awakens. Like I I absolutely fucking loved this movie from beginning to end. I just loved watching this like crew come together and try to pull off this insane heist and just it it was it was the cuz I've always been a fan of the Star Wars expanded universe, you know, like I've I've you know, I've been one of those fans who read the books and played the video games and like tried to keep track of that large continuity and I always wanted an expanded universe movie because there's a lot of shit in the expanded universe that has nothing to do with the Skywalkers or even the Jedi that's fucking awesome and in some regards honestly better than those stories as good as they are so to get an expanded universe movie was a dream come true and to have it be good was even better and just like just watching this movie I was just like this is fucking awesome just watching this misfit crew come together and get over their 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 shit and just try to pull off this insane heist and I loved it and you know I I wish that they would continue doing you know the spin-off movies I still have not seen Solo no no reason other than I just haven't it's been on my list for a long ass time um but I wish they would have continued the spin-off movies um, but unfortunately, it looks like they're going to keep doing the TV shows, which I guess is fine. Mandalorian's good and whatnot. But yeah, I love Rogue One. Um, and I thought it was cool the way that Darth Vader was used. Like, I wish you, a part of me wishes he would have been used just a little bit more. Like, when specifically when they had uh, the, the, the CGI Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tarkin. Part of me was like, I kind of wish that was Darth Vader instead just so we could have gotten a little bit more Vader. And I feel like it would have made a little bit more sense, but what we like that ending scene when he's just like, when he's kind of presented as like a horror movie monster, just slicing up those guys as he invades the ship. That scene was fucking awesome. Um, yeah. I, that's all I got to say about this movie. Um, so. Which one's I, Libya I, again? <laughs> And what is Aleppo? You're kidding. No. <laughs> um. So um, Barack Obama. Um. <laughs> Barack Obama. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, without me sounding as like um passive aggressive as I did with um, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, I didn't care for this movie when I saw it, and I only saw it that one time in theaters. Ooh. Boo, you suck. <laughs> and that was like the Saturday or Sunday of that opening weekend. Um, or was it Monday? I don't know. Who fucking cares? But anyway, this was during a time when I was getting tired of movies in a weird <laughs> way. I just needed a break from obsessing over movies. And I guess I was just over like, because I saw almost, I saw like probably two or three movies a week that year. Um, I saw them all for free. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, there was Doctor Strange, which I just didn't feel anything for. Um, and there was Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And then there was this movie. It was like a trifecta of like me in a theater just feeling numb. And with this movie, I, I found it to be boring. I didn't love probably any of it. I liked the one droid character. And I did like 
what's uh what was the blind man the actor who plays the blind man in this movie uh, I it's forget not his name. donnie yen donnie yen i like donnie yen in fact he was in a movie the month after this uh triple <laughs> x the return of xander <laughs> I I fucking love that movie. That of is course such you a did. Fun, that is such a fun movie. It it knows exactly what it is, and it's it's better than like half the Fast and Furious movies that try to be, you know, what they are right now. But um, but anyway, with this movie, yeah, it just didn't do it for me. Um, but this was also at a time when I was going through a very personal, um, uh depression and because of that i'm oddly open to giving it another chance one day and re-watching it um so yeah i mean it's just shouldn't you should you should come over sometime we'll do a double feature since i haven't seen solo yet we'll do your rewatch of this and my first viewing of solo <sighs> yeah i i will say i when i watched solo i think it was on netflix or whatever I, I like kept pausing it and just walking away from it. So <laughs> I, I don't know which a Star Wars story is better. I, I, I guess it's kind of a moot battle, but um, but yeah, I'm okay with that idea. I just really hope that they, because you know when they when they gave Ryan Johnson Last Jedi, they also announced he was going to do a trilogy after the sequel trilogy that would have nothing to do with the Skywalkers, and I'm like. I really hope that still happens, or at the very least, he gets another Star Wars movie because The Last Jedi is a good fucking movie, and uh, Star Wars fans are fucking toxic. <laughs> um, the one moment that, I mean, rest in peace to her because this was, you know, I, I think like just weeks before she passed away. Mm -hmm. But the scene where they use CGI Princess Leia. Mm -hmm. The best thing anyone had to say about that was like they were talking about, you know, the de-aging technology on her face and how, you know, they just used computer animation to make a younger version of her from like 1977, A New Hope. And uh, the guy I worked with, Robin, he was like, yeah, I'm sorry, but I thought her face was awful. I kept waiting for Tom Hanks to come out and tell everyone to get on the Polar Express. <laughs> <laughs> I like when uh when I saw it with a friend of mine, and CGI Peter Cushing came on the screen. He just leans over to me and he just goes, "Holy fuck, he hasn't aged a fucking day." <laughs> <laughs> and I just go, "Well, there's a reason for that, sir." See, I, he, I he's dead. Better, <laughs> I, I thought they better, did a better job with him than they did her. Really, um, I think the opposite because like, and. I mean, maybe it's just because I knew he was dead, but, like, looking at CGI Peter Cushing, I could just tell, like... And it wasn't that it was bad CGI, it was just really just the way he moved. He was almost... His face was almost too, I guess, fluid. When it... Like, the way his muscle... Like, facial muscles moved, I'm like, I could tell it was CGI. Whereas CGI Carrie Fisher, I'm like, whoa, that legit looks like they just lifted her from the movie. Yeah, I, I, I have to say I believe the opposite. Like, and I think, like, the main... Like the main advantage his character had was a lot of his character scenes were in the dark, and it's easier to do that with a darker setting than a brighter setting mm -hmm. because the, the, with the light shine on her face, like yeah, like I'm like, yeah, um, PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll do a double feature sometime, and we'll come back to these movies. Um, okay. 
I'll order a pizza. All right. You, you don't get any. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like pizza? Yeah, I could go for a slice. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I don't have any. I was just asking. <laughs> I I knew you were going to I knew you were going to get that's what I was going for. Um, yeah, yeah. We'll move on to our last movie of the evening, Star Trek Beyond. We are not ending we are not ending on a high note with movies tonight. Um it is such a fucking shame. Like you had the first the 2009 Star Trek reboot which was an awesome movie and then you had Star Trek Into Darkness which in my opinion is an even more awesome movie. Um, most fans don't agree with me but most people still at least admit that it is a good movie. Um so you had two really good movies both very well received for the most part. And then you had this which was just a boring, fucking, flat drag of a movie. Like, like nothing fucking happens the whole movie. And Idris Elba, like, you want to talk about wasting actors, fucking wasting Idris Elba on this movie. Like, yeah. And he's playing a villain who, for the third time in a row, it's some ex-Federation person who has a beef with the Federation. It's like, oh, wow, we're doing that again, are we? Um, I don't even remember what his fucking deal is, and for some reason he's a rock monster, and then all of a sudden he's not. Um, um, I, I mean, <laughs> I I don't want to say who said it in the theater, but when it showed like his face towards the end, someone goes, oh, my God. <laughs> When it showed like his face at the end, someone in the theater went, "Holy fuck, it's Seal!" <laughs> oh man, that's good. Um, oh fuck, I, that's good. I I almost wanted to just leave the theater right then and there. Like, <laughs> all right, can, can I go home now? Oh fuck, that's funny. Um, yeah, like it's it's not just a disappointment because of what came before it. It's also just a disappointment because this movie had no reason to be as boring as it is. Like you had a solid cast. You had a great actor playing the villain. Like what the fuck went like the only way you could fuck this movie up is if you actually tried. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it just, it did not do it for me. And it's a shame that like, I, I don't know, like, has that fourth movie been definitively canceled, or is it still, like, kind of in limbo, or... They keep, keep, like, gaining a director, losing a director. At one point, Quentin Tarantino (laughs) wanted to make one, and then, like, they were going to have, like, the first woman to ever direct a Star Trek movie, and then they got this other guy, and now they have this other guy, and it's like, I lost fucking track. Yeah, so that movie's probably not happening. The The best headline, the best headline was on Birth Movie's death, and it was because um, Chris Hemsworth is in the first one. He plays Captain Kirk's dad in the flashback, the prologue. Mm-hmm. And um, they were going to make a movie where Chris Pine time-traveled and met his dad. And it was going to be Chris Pine meeting Chris Hemsworth. And they both dropped out because, you know, Paramount didn't want to pay them. They wanted to pay them basically the same amount of money that they would have paid them in 2009. And they're like... No, that's not fair. We're we're more we're more famous now. We have mm-hmm. more movies under our belt. We're more accomplished actors in our career. And they're like, and Paramount's like, but what if we just did what we did before? And it's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> no, money down. 
the best the best yeah literally the best headline ever was well no they wanted to pay chris hemsworth not enough and then chris pine just didn't like the script i think i don't know creative differences but anyway the headline was chris hemsworth is out of uh, hold on what is it again chris hemsworth drops out of star trek 4 chris pine follows maybe chris pratt chris evans is still on the fence <laughs> <laughs> it's just assuming that every chris was going to be at that movie but um but yeah but go on go ahead continue no i'm done go ahead i this movie's just so i mean this is a filler episode of a movie mm-hmm. um and like you know you had like simon Pegg was one of the co-writers for the screenplay and he was like yeah we're gonna basically gonna make like a two hour long episode of the classic you know series and it's just like yeah you made a filler episode dude like there's yeah. nothing in this movie that feels significant yeah um even Star Trek Into Darkness went for a a darker sequel, you know? It went for, like, the dark night of Star Trek movies, I guess. I don't know. And, like, I still I still strongly stand behind the first film is Lightning in a Bottle, that 2009 film. It had the magic. And with this movie, like, yeah, Idris Elba is totally wasted. One of the greatest crimes in Hollywood over the last, like, decade, decade and a half is, like, one day our generation will have to be questioned by future generations when they ask why wasn't idris elba the star of any of these movies when he yeah. clearly had like when he clearly had leading man energy but they mm-hmm. you all kept making him like some side dude mm-hmm. and we're gonna be like that's an excellent question sorry <laughs> <laughs> It's true though. Like Idris yeah. Elba has always gotten like these like shit roles, even though he tries to make them better. And it's like, yeah. I mean, thank God. I mean, he made. He was awesome in the new Suicide Squad. Is yeah, um, he was Bloodsport. And it's just like a character that nobody ever heard of before. Probably nobody would have cared about. And he was like, all right, rock and roll. And he's awesome in it. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, like. Him in the Thor movies, I totally forget he's even in the MCU technically, because his character in the Thor movies is so whatever. Um, but yeah, like you wasted Idris Elba as a villain, which when you said Idris Elba was going to be the villain in a Star Trek movie, that should have been awesome. That should have been amazing. Yeah. And like you said, he's just a guy who has a personal history and beef with Starfleet. Yippee, you did the hat trick. Yeah. And also like he's not even explained until the last 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Like I remember, I remember during the final act of the movie, which I didn't feel anything during this movie until they played the BC boys during that um, space fight. And that's with just like 15, 20 minutes to go. Um, I remember my girlfriend at the time I leaned over to her and I'm like, how is he bad? And, and she goes, what are you talking about? He's trying to kill them. Like he's, he's the villain of the movie. And I'm like, yeah, but like, that's not what I meant. I understand what he's doing is wrong, but like, why is he the villain? Like, why is he evil? I don't, I don't know anything about him. And when you save that for the last 10 minutes of your movie, like, that's a fuck up. Like, yeah. I don't give a shit by then. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, it's sad that this was the last film we would have seen Anton Yelchin in, I think. Um, it was the last Star Trek movie, so it's a shame. It's a shame that a series that started off on such a high note went out with a whimper. 
um, because more, I really more like, like a this, wet fart. Yeah, I really like this cast, but like, whew, this movie's just so whatever. Yeah. But before we move on from movies, there was a few that I had mentioned um, that I, I won't go into them, but I'll just give them yeah, my please, recommendation. Please be very yeah, quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I understand. Just some recommendations, and and hopefully we can talk about some of these movies in a future episode. Um, because I know you want to talk about sex drive for a whole episode, so maybe we can <laughs> squeeze maybe we can squeeze another comedy or two in that same episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but just some movies I want to recommend: um, Pop Star, uh, Never Stop, Never Stopping, um, which was the Lonely Island Andy Samberg movie, which was it was a masterful parody of, um, you know like I guess the whole pop star life and there's a scene where they spoof TMZ and it's like perfect. Um, Colossal with Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis, a very smart and different movie. It's a kaiju movie, but it's, it's very, it's very different and it's very intelligent and I highly recommend it. I feel like it got, it got buried. It got forgotten. It's by neon rated, which is like the other a 24 and Annapurna. Um, but yeah, highly recommend that movie. 10 Cloverfield Lane, Lane, the best Cloverfield movie, great performance, supporting acting role by John Goodman, um, Nerve, which was a very good movie. Um, and then finally, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, which was my favorite comedy this year. And it was maybe my favorite movie of the summer. Like it is the movie I saw this summer that I enjoyed the most. Hopefully I'll finally get you to watch it, Donnie, and we could talk about it one episode because um it's 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 worth a few good giggles. You'll it'll it'll uh, it'll tickle the shit out of you. All right. Well then That's all I have that, to say. On that note, we'll move on to TV of 2016. Uh it's got some couple shows that started in 2016, Stranger Things, which I don't think this wasn't like Netflix's first original series, was it? It was their first series it was that their, blew up like right, this month. Right. It was yeah. the it was the first one that like blew up and didn't just blow up. It became a fucking cultural phenomenon. Um, but I can't remember if it was like their first original series in general. But yeah, like, and it took me a little bit to get onto this show. Like, I didn't watch this show until like season two had already started, um, and I just kept hearing about it and seeing things about it and. I just never got around to watching it. And finally I was like, all right, let's just sit and just binge this show. And I binged season one. And I was like, all right, this show fucks. I'm here for it. Um, season one's great. I think I'd have to rewatch it. I think season two's good. I think it's maybe on par with season one, just about. Um, season three's not bad. I don't think it's quite as good. Um, I'm kind of curious as to where season four is going to go. Um, and the creators of the show have said that they're, they only plan to do like four or five seasons. So, you know, this might be the last, I don't, well, I imagine if this is going to be the last one they would have announced it. So we might get one more after this. Um, yeah, but it's, it's a great show and it's, it's just became this huge fucking thing. And I mean, it gave us, it gave us the national treasure known as David Harbor. The, also, the king dad bod. <laughs> yeah. All, or, or as you like to call, call him, uh, me caught in a time loop. Yeah. Yeah. No, sure. guys, seriously, if you look, if you go like on David Harbour's Instagram where he's posted photos of himself in like his 20s and whatnot, he looks exactly like me when I had long hair. Like, it's kind of scary. Yeah. 
I, I'm yeah. going to have to meet him one day at a convention and be like, were, were you ever in Huntington, West Virginia in 1991 or something? Like, I need to know. We'll, we'll just, we'll just create the, the, the fan fiction headcanon that, um, he's, he's your real dad, just unbeknownst to him. <laughs> oh man, that'd be the greatest thing ever. I'd love to have him as my dad. <laughs> he can't be worse than my actual dad. Cool. Hi Don. You, you, you took us there. Hi Don Senior, if you're listening, Mr. John. <laughs> Mr. John, how have you been? I haven't seen you since I was eight. Oh. Anyway, moving on to the next show that started in 2016, Letter Kenny. Um, have you ever have you watched any episodes of this, or at least heard of Letter Kenny? I've watched like the first like two seasons, I think. I that's less than I've watched actually. I've seen like maybe a, a couple episodes, like a couple, like a few, like quite a few of my friends, like were con- like constantly talk about and quote right. the show and how they love it. And I lost sh- track. I think I, I think I watched like the first two or three seasons, and I was halfway through season three or season four. Yeah, like the, a, a, a ton of my friends like talked about the show and like they quote it all the time and they talk about how awesome it is. And they showed me like a, a few episodes and it is funny and it's witty. I just, I'd maybe have to sit down and give it another chance and really sit have to like watch an entire season. But I don't know the, just the episodes they showed me, I just, it just didn't click with me and it's just not something I would watch in, in my own time. It's, um, it's very dry. Yeah. And you can tell like, but it's, it's, it's very intelligent. Like I'll give it that. Like, and also you, you can tell this show is made for almost nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like it doesn't cost much to make this show. No. Um, and then the last show that started in 2016, Not Safe with Nikki Glaser. This was the show that, like, introduced me to Nikki Glaser, and she's one of my favorite comedians. I think she's fucking funny. And I love this show um, because she – I like how Nikki Glaser approaches sexuality in her in her comedy – not just from the approach of, you know, I'm a girl and this is what girl, like just the approach of humans in general are kind of gross. And we're all like really embarrassed about how gross we are, especially when it comes to sex and sexual matters. And she's just this show, just the, just the situation she would get herself into. Like there's one episode where she put her mom and dad to a lie detector test and asked them like questions that were just like, it was just so funny watching her. Like she didn't want to ask them, but she had to for the bit, like asking her, like she legit asked her mom and she had her mom hooked up to a lie detector. Like basically we found out Nikki Glazer's dad has a big old horse cock. Um, <laughs> it, it's just, it's just so awkward, but it's just so fucking funny. Um, I mean, the I, th- I believe it's the first episode. She goes to like a foot fetish party. <laughs> it's just she's so uncomfortable, specifically because she's so self conscious about her feet. Um, because she, her she's like, I legit need like orthopedic surgery. Like my feet are really fucked up from wearing high heels my entire life. So she's just so self conscious about it. But she's at this foot fetish party, and it's just really fucking funny. Um, my favorite bit she would do was. Um, where she would make like a fake persona, like a fake Tinder profile and just fuck with guys <laughs> and just like see how, how far she could go before they would finally swipe left on her or just ghost her. Um, it, it was just a funny show and I just, I wish it had ran for longer than it did. Um, but that's all I got to say about that. 
yeah i mean we're we're pressed for time so i mean i could talk about stranger things for probably like a whole half episode straight um i think it's excellent i mean the, the first season and I'll, I'll i'll just focus on the first season right now because well why the hell not we can make up our own rules we can bring up the second season and the third season their respective years but the first season i was like man why can't movies be this good now <laughs> um it was like if steven spielberg stephen king and john carpenter made a show together yeah um and yeah i mean like it it had a lot of emotion and heart and um and you could say like you know i think it was more than just quote nostalgia porn you know like a lot of people were just like oh it's just pandering nostalgia and it's cheap nostalgia like no i mean it uses nostalgia as a marketing tool and as a way to like hook you but like it's more than that like it gives us characters that we actually care about and it was not just it gave us david harbour but it was the comeback of winona Ryder. like it mm -hmm. was her comeback and um yeah i mean it was a great score um and um yeah i mean like it's probably one of my favorite shows ever and uh yeah and i look forward to you know getting to talk about it again in the future when we have more time um i haven't seen a single episode of uh nikki glazier's show but she seems very funny uh i like the jokes that i have heard from her that you've sent me um what were the other shows you mentioned donnie i'm sorry uh letter kenny Letter Kenny. Yeah, I mean it's it's an entertaining enough show, but um it's just I don't know. It's just one of those shows where like it's it's entertaining enough that I don't really have much to say about it afterwards. I think it's so annoying that like it's used by right wingers to make memes. Yeah. Especially the one big guy from it, because when you actually listen to his character, he's actually progressive. Yeah. And it's like you're not very even much so. <laughs> Yeah, you're not even paying attention to the show that you claim to love. Well, it's the same thing um, with right-wingers being like, man, Stephen Colbert was on point with the Colbert Report tonight. Yeah, yeah. So, no, like Stranger Things, a 10 out of 10 of a show um, as a whole. Um, Nikki Glaser, I'll have to watch more clips in the future. And Letter Kenny, I'll pick it back up eventually, maybe. There's just so much other stuff I want to watch right now. But, um, but yeah, so back to you. All right, well, and I just got one show that ended in 2016, Mythbusters, which was really the end of an era, because um, that show had been on for, since 2004, and I I loved Mythbusters. Like, that that was, like, one of my favorite shows, and, I mean, it, it made science cool and fun and interesting, and it was also just really cool just to have this show where these guys were just like, hey, that thing we just kind of, that, you know, you hear about all the time, or, like, that we just kind of take for granted as being fact in this world we live in. What if it's actually not true? Let's see if it is or not. And like, it's like some of the best episodes were when they would test like old phrases that be like, you know, the, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. They did an episode where like they tested whether you can or not teach an old dog new tricks. Um, and they would do stuff like, like, or they even had an episode that, I can't believe they put themselves through this, but you know, the saying you can't polish a turd. Well, the Mythbusters prove you can, in fact, polish a turd. Um, yeah, but it's, it was just a cool show and it was just cool to look at the, the world and the stuff we take for granted through that kind of lens. So um, I'll give it to you. I have, I don't think I have seen 
a whole episode of Mythbusters. I've just watched clips, and what I've seen is entertaining. Like it's intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I'll, I'm totally down for a marathon one day. So well, yeah, come over to the Donatorium. I'll, I'll order a pizza and maybe give you a slice, and we'll, we'll watch some. All right, just don't have ham on it. Okay. Well then, I'll let you end the show with music of 2016, since music has always been my weak point and. Building up this list, I looked up music that was popular in 2016 and was just like, I don't know any of this shit. So what do you yeah. got for us on music? Um, Really just three things to bring up. I Don't Want to Know by Maroon 5, um, which I remember the very first time Sean played this song for me on his on his iPhone. And I was like, I, I liked like the, the intro, but then I didn't like the singing that came after the opening, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> instrumental part. Um, sorry, I, I kind of sound awkward when I talk about music. But yeah, I didn't like this song at first, but as the months went on, like I loved it more and more. And the first two songs that were released as singles for this album, Red Pill Blues, um, it was I Don't Want to Know and Cold. And those are probably two of my favorite Maroon 5 songs ever because they sound completely different from everything else they've ever made. Um, and yeah, no, I, I actually really like this song. The the um, the music video parodies Pokemon Go, which, <laughs> whew, that's, <laughs> that's as 2016 as you get. Yeah. Um, and then um, Closer by the Chainsmokers and Halsey. I really liked this song the first time I heard it. And then this song was overplayed so damn bad. Like it was on the radio every 10 minutes and every five minutes. And I just got so sick and tired of it. And the joke was, if I have to hear closer one more time, I'm going to need someone to (laughs) pull me closer in the bathtub with a toaster. Um, (laughs) But like, I finally heard it again, like after a few years, I finally heard it again on the radio a few weeks ago and I like it again. Like it, it really is a good song. Um, it gets stuck in your head. It's catchy and it just has a really powerful, like, um, rising finish, I guess you can call it. And then, uh, the third album by Chance the Rapper coloring book, which had angels and no problem was a really good album probably one of the best albums uh in my opinion um it was just different at the time because he was a rapper that sounded very positive and upbeat and happy as opposed to you know i guess i mean not to sound ignorant but like you know it's he just sounded a little more positive than some other rap songs at the time mm-hmm. and um and i really liked that so yeah i didn't want to ramble on so i'll leave it at that all right, well, that I'll have to give uh, some of that music a listen here soon because, like I said, I, I looked at the music of 2016 and I was lost. Um, but that's our show for tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, so if you tuned in late or just missed this episode, we'll be on Spotify, Pandora, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the fun stuff tomorrow. And this Wednesday, Blake and I will be going to the Ridiculous Podcast, which will be live on Facebook um, at 7 p.m. this Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So be sure to follow the Ridiculous Podcast, spelled with a K, not a C, uh, at Facebook, as well as Twitter. Um, We're going to be 
the baiting with the hosts of that show, Kyle Reyes and Calvin Andrikat, about the DC Universe. Um, so be sure to watch that because, uh, just to put it lightly, they have very differing opinions on that franchise than we do. Um, to the point that my fucking head hurts when Kyle posted his ranking of those movies the other day. Um, so yeah, this Wednesday, 7 p.m., the Ridiculous Podcast, we're going there. So be sure to check that out. And Blake, this Friday, it's our one. This Friday will be our one-year anniversary on the Fat Minute. That's true. Yep. That's true. So happy, happy, happy podcast anniversary, Blake. We we finally made it. Now now we can now we can finish it, and we never have to make another episode again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Surprise, motherfuckers! This is the last one. <laughs> oh man! I mean, I, I think with what you said about Donald Trump earlier, it will be the last one. We just we just ride out of uh, the the ridiculous podcast on Wednesday on a, on a fucking skateboard with rockets taped to it, mm. and just ride off into the sunset, never be heard from again. That's life. And the internet goes, thank God. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Fat Minute Radio. You can follow me on all that as well at Don John Laughs, and you can follow my wonderful co-host BBJ at Puka Saucy. So, on that note, thank you. Fuck you. Goodbye. Find your next fall adventure in Fairfax County at the National Museum of the United States Army. Take a turn on the tank simulator. Feel your seat rumble in their 300-degree theater. Then step outside to enjoy the fall colors from their outdoor dining area and rooftop Medal of Honor garden. Discover your fall adventure at the National Army Museum. Open seven days a week. Free admission and parking right off I-95. Get free tickets at usarmymuseum.org.